Today is World Environment Day, as recognized by the United Nations. So, this June 5th, 2021 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement focuses on several items happening in your area. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, a small hydroelectric plant on the Hardware River gets the nod from the Albemarle Planning Commission. The city will work with the United States Department of Agriculture to introduce wasps to save younger ash trees. VMDO aims to build net-zero buildings for PVCC, and Virginia aims to reduce stormwater runoff on 400,000 acres of public land. In today's reader-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards is getting ready for a series of fall classes for new volunteers. The Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards increase public awareness of the value of trees in all environments, rural and urban. The fall 2021 class will involve a combination of online training sessions and field activities with a maximum of 32 students to facilitate the best field training possible. The registration period opens on June 15th and slots will fill quickly. With a 15-week duration beginning August 7th and ending November 13th, the online classes precede field activities that will be held on every other Saturday at various locations in the Charlottesville area. Learn more at charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org. As stated a moment ago, today, June 5th, is World Environment Day. This program has many beats, representing various interests I have as a reporter and community member. Today's installment has several segments about the natural world around us and how we may fit in. But first, a quick update on the status of efforts to address climate change, perhaps the biggest environmental issue of our time. The city of Charlottesville, Albemarle County, and the University of Virginia have all adopted ambitious greenhouse gas reduction goals. There's a joint website where activities are intended to be tracked that you can check out in the newsletter. Charlottesville completed an inventory of greenhouse gases in 2016 and have adopted a goal to reduce emissions by 45 percent by 2030 and to be net zero by 2050. The first measurement will be made from an inventory completed in 2011. The city is now putting together a climate action plan. Albemarle County adopted a climate action plan in October of 2020 and are now working on an inventory of where emissions stand now. Supervisors have adopted a resolution seeking to be net zero by 2050 and to be 45% below where the numbers were in 2008. The University of Virginia adopted a sustainability plan in October of 2020 intended to build off of previous plans. The current plan seeks for the university to become carbon neutral by 2030 and fossil fuel free by 2050. The plan also seeks to reduce water use and nitrogen emissions by 30% by the year 2030, as well as a 30% reduction for waste and an increase in sustainable food purchases by 30%. You can read that plan in a link in the newsletter. A new building under construction at Piedmont Virginia Community College aims to be a net-zero energy building, the first of its kind at a higher education institution in the Commonwealth. VMDO Architects has designed the Advanced Technical Training Center, which is expected to be completed in the spring of 2023. The center will house laboratory space for robotics, advanced manufacturing, and cybersecurity. 
The project has a budget of $21 million. Governor Ralph Northam has signed an executive order directing state agencies and higher education facilities to take steps to reduce stormwater runoff on public land. Executive Directive 17 sets specific reduction targets for phosphorus and nitrogen. Those are two major pollutants that destroy habitat for aquatic species in the Chesapeake Bay by removing the oxygen. Virginia and several other states must meet the terms of a 2009 mandate from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to improve water quality in the bay by making the reductions. Northam's directive covers about 400,000 acres of land. Here's a bit from the directive's summary. The Commonwealth of Virginia has pursued and achieved significant reductions in nutrient and sediment pollution to the Chesapeake Bay and the rivers and streams that are tributaries to the bay. Despite real progress, continued reductions in nutrient and sediment pollution are necessary both to restore the Chesapeake Bay ecosystem and to meet federal Clean Water Act requirements. For more details, there's a great article in the Virginia Mercury by Sarah Vogelsong. At the local level, education efforts are coordinated by the Rivanna Stormwater Education Partnership. Local investments include millions to upgrade what's known as the Moores Creek Water Resource Recovery Facility, formerly known as a wastewater treatment plant. The Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority spent $48 million to reduce the amount of nitrogen and phosphorus that are released into the river upon the cleaning of the wastewater. The city of Charlottesville is soon to receive some help from the United States Department of Agriculture in the fight against the emerald ash borer, which is devastating ash trees across the East Coast. Patrick Booz is a plant health safeguarding specialist with the USDA, and he addressed the Tree Commission on June 1st. Booz said the agency had been relying on quarantining ash products as a way of stopping the spread of the ash borer, but that has not been an effective strategy. The new strategy is to introduce wasps to fight the invasive ash borer. There's four different species now of parasitoid wasps that are found in uh, the native range where emerald ash borer was found in, and that's in Russia and China. And so these wasps will predate, they're stingless wasps, so they're not going to harm anybody else. Booz said that when introduced nearby, the wasps will lay their eggs inside the eggs of the emerald ash borer. He said this treatment is best applied to younger trees that are not yet infested, and he's proposing introducing the wasps at the Ragged Mountain Natural Area. One member of the Tree Commission asked if there would be any unintended consequences. The USDA has uh, reported that there weren't any unintended consequences so far, but I mean... Who knows, it's pretty early in the, uh, in the process, but so far we haven't had any other in- insect species or anything that it was attacking. According to a press release, the wasps have been introduced in 28 other states so far. Charlottesville has been treating 32 ash trees since 2016 to prevent infestation, and budget constraints have prevented a wider application. Once infested, trees can die after two or three years due to larvae burying for food. The commission voted to endorse the use of the wasps, but member Peggy Van Yeris voted no due to the possibility of unintended consequences. You can watch that whole tree commission meeting on the city's video channel.
You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In this subscriber-supported public service announcement, over the course of the pandemic, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society has provided hours and hours of interviews, presentations, and discussions about interpretations and recollections of the past. All of that is available for you to watch for free on the Historical Society's YouTube channel. There's a recent discussion from the Formative Change Group at the Batten Institute on the work that they suggest needs to be done to Siebelpedia to make it more equitable. Go check it out. And finally today, a plan to update a hydroelectric plant at the Jefferson Mill Dam on the Hardware River obtained a recommendation of approval from the Albemarle Planning Commission on June 1st, but not without a tough question intended as a softball. At the beginning of the 21st century, construction of dams is strongly discouraged in most cases, with the exception of impoundment for water supply. But the Jefferson Mill Dam dates back to the beginning of the 19th century. Bill Fritz is the county's development process manager. The uh, existing dam and the adjacent building date to the 1800s, and the mill building is now used as a uh, home. Power has been generated at the location for much of that time, but the proposal is to update the turbine that's within an underground water room through which a diverted portion of the river flows. The project will improve the outfall from the water room, install new inlets to bring water to the turbine. The applicant has submitted by far the most extensive and complete application that I've seen in the 30 plus years I've worked for the county. However, the applicant was not quite ready to give a presentation. While that's not required, it is customary for a formal presentation to be made when making a land use request, but we'll hear more about that in a moment. Fritz said state agencies found no significant concerns and all potential issues have been resolved. Currently, fish cannot swim upstream past this point, but that will change after the work is complete. It's not the subject of this special use permit, uh, but the applicant is proposing to install a ladder on the dam on the opposite side of the river from the mill building. The applicant did not prepare a presentation, but was available to answer questions. At first, it appeared no one would ask one, but Commissioner Tim Keller went ahead and offered one up. Keller is a professor emeritus of landscape architecture at Iowa State University. Let me preface this by saying that I, I do support it, and this is the great conundrum between cultural resource protection and natural resource protection that I spent my lifetime thinking about, my professional lifetime thinking about. But just to be a devil's advocate here, wouldn't best practices be to remove this dam? Best environmental practices be to remove this dam completely? Fritz said that did not come up during the discussion with state agencies. One of the project managers, Jessica Pendrod, said there was no compelling reason to remove the dam based on this application. The studies that we've done thus far and the information that's publicly available indicates that the dam is not a huge hindrance to species, especially species of concern going upstream any farther due to the amount of dams that are below the, the the Jefferson site. Keller was satisfied with the answer, but civil engineer Joseph Head jumped on the Zoom call to offer this response. 
their best practices would probably, you know, tell us to tear up all of our freeways and turn them into uh, meadows full of butterflies. Uh, but it'd be hard to get your truck around if, if you did that. So it's a, it's a balance between, you know, uh, human existence, I guess, and, and, the, and the animals. Head said the stone dam has withstood years of being pummeled by the hardware, which he called a flashy river that can go from an easy stream to a raging torrent in hours if there's enough rainfall. This dam's actually totally amazing. These guys who built this did it by hand 200 years ago. It's, it's just rock and mortar, and it's still there. This river has been pounding on this dam for 200 years, and it's still there. Commissioner Karen Firehawk also supported the project, but said that the best practice would be at least to study a partial removal of the dam. From an environmental perspective, the best option would be a partial breach of this dam so that um, we don't have a dam across the river. And if anyone wants to study this, there are a multitude of dams that have come down in Virginia, including some major ones. Uh, there's a whole host of problems that occur from warming water behind the dam, from preventing migration of passage, from trapping sediments, sometimes which are contaminated. Firehawk supported the upgrade of the power plant, but did not want that vote to be interpreted as support for the continued existence of dams. And just because something is historic doesn't mean we should maintain it, right? There are historic coal mines. No one would make an argument for maintaining all our historic coal mines. So I just don't think that argument holds any water, so to speak. The next step for the item is to go before the Board of Supervisors. To learn more about a dam removal at the Rivanna River that took place earlier this century, visit the Rivanna Conservation Alliance. You can watch the whole item on the Albemarle County YouTube page. And that's it for this World Environment Day edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. As always, thank you very much for listening. This is one where all the pieces did fit together to fit something of a theme, which is always quite good. And I would like to take this opportunity to thank the Valley Research Center for their help in all of the theme music that you hear. This is subsidized by a gift that was made, an anonymous gift that was made earlier in January, which has been powering the music that you have that you hear occasionally on this program. There are many ways to help support me. Uh, if you would like to make a nice, generous donation like that, we can talk about many ways to do that. Contact me if you'd like to. Lots of ideas coming up. If you would like to just go ahead and do that, go ahead and subscribe through Substack, and the company Ting will match that. I just sent off my first invoice on that, and uh, I just want to say that is going to keep this program coming to you for at least a little while longer. The goal is, of course, to make this sustainable, and that's where I would like you, if you could, to please send this on to some of your friends so that more people can uh, benefit from this program and the information that I'm trying to get to you as often as I can. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of the program. I will be back with the Week Ahead newsletter tomorrow on June 6th, followed by uh, an election preview edition uh, for June 7th. At least that's the current schedule. We'll see what happens. Thanks a lot. Stay safe out there and, you know, enjoy the world and the environment that you're in. Thanks again and stay safe. <laughs>